So I wanted to really talk to you about how to live in the power of God. I want to talk about how to live in the power of God. This is really, really important because I think there's so many believers. Oh, wait, let's pray or let's make our confession. Grab your Bible, whatever it is you use. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I am about to be taught the life-changing word of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And after I have heard, believed, and obeyed, I can expect to see what God said in my life. Amen. Amen. So I just want to talk to you just a little bit about submitting your life to the Holy Spirit. It's a really, really important message to me. It means a lot to me. Um, I, I've been saved for a long, long time. A long, 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 long time. I probably got saved, the, you know, when I was five years old. I went to a church. They told me I wasn't old enough to get saved yet. So they wouldn't let me get saved. So they said, I went outside and told my sister they can't stop me from getting saved because Jesus don't belong to them. Jesus belonged to whoever believed. I had read in the Bible that said whosoever should confess in their mouth and believe with their heart that Jesus was saved. I mean that Jesus had um, died on the cross, that he, that he would save them, and so I just believed it. Unfortunately, I talked to you about this. I didn't go to a church that taught about the power of the Holy Spirit, and a lot of you are in the same position. You did not grow up in churches that taught about the power of the Holy Spirit. So basically what you learned how to do was to try to be a good person. And the problem with trying to be a good person is that you're really not, which is why you need a salvation. And so then you get frustrated when you're trying to be a good person. And then, as Paul said, the things that you don't want to do are the things that you find yourself doing. And then you keep finding yourself in the situation. And then what Paul also didn't say is that because your flesh is so strong that it's some things that you shouldn't want to do but you still want to do because it feels so good when you do it. And so if you can be worn out and then if, you, if you're not careful, then you spend your life doing one or two things, either always getting saved Every time you turn around, you always getting saved. Every time they got an altar call, you always getting saved. Or you end up buying into this mindset that basically says, this is the one I hate. Well, I'm just human. Everybody got issues. Except the Bible says that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, old things are passed away and all things become new. Say, when I accepted Jesus... Something new took place in me. But if you're not taught to tap into the newness, you'll be saved, but you'll live like you're not. You got to be taught that something new was taking place on the inside of you. So I want to talk to you about the power of the Holy Spirit because you need the Holy Spirit. And so depending on your theological background, I'm not here to debate with you about that. I'm going to make it easy for you. There are actually three feelings of the Holy Spirit. One, you can't even get saved unless the Holy Spirit draws you. That's what the Bible says. But even Jesus didn't do ministry till he got filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit. He got filled. He got empowered. So you saved. The Holy Spirit is drawing you. That is how you're here. But then in Acts, he told him, he said, ask for the Holy Ghost. How do you get the Holy Spirit? People like make getting the Holy Spirit so laborious. What do I have to do to get the Holy Spirit? The same thing you had to do to get saved. You ask. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm scared to speak in tongues. So I just want, I know, because if you grew up like I did, you're scared of everything supernatural. You, you, you're scared of everything that you can't understand. But I just want to submit to you that if you got a God that you can understand about everything about, you actually are that God. You're the idol. 
If you can understand everything about God, God is way bigger, way broader, way deeper, way more expansive. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's ever-present. He's all-powerful. He's all of those things. So if in your infinite mind you can decide what God does and doesn't do and how he moves and how he doesn't move, you're talking about yourself, not God. Because God will offend your theology to change your life. God don't care nothing about your theology. He cares about the release of his power and the dominion and the authority in life. So I want to talk to you about this because I think this is really important. I think this is really befitting um, because a lot of people talked about um, Meghan Markle becoming a, the duchess, actually. She's not actually a princess. She's actually a duchess, right? But what she became is a part of the royal family. And in First Peter, it says that you are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. Turn and tell your neighbor, say, hey, royalty don't just live like anything. Royalty doesn't just live like anything. And so I watched as, as, the, as the media, as they followed her wedding, as they followed, um, as they followed Kate giving birth, and people would say dumb things like this. I can't believe Kate had to come out here and show the baby six hours after she was pregnant because if it had been me, I would still be in the hospital bed because you're not royalty and you didn't agree to be up under the authority. So you can lay in the bed as long as you want to, but we understand that this idea of being a princess, being a queen, being a royalty comes with responsibility. It comes with responsibility. And so as believers, the same thing is true. Yes, there's grace. Yes, there's mercy. Yes, there are all these things. But with believer comes a responsibility. And the responsibility is not just about being a good person. It's about being a person that is empowered with the Holy Spirit. Because you need the Holy Spirit to live right. I don't care how much willpower you have. If we catch you on the wrong day, your willpower will wear out. If we catch you on the wrong day, you will give your willpower up. I mean, because a lot of times when you're not supposed to be eating something, it wasn't really that your willpower wore out. You just chose that you wanted it. You just chose it. You were just like, you know what? Everybody not going to eat this cake, and I don't eat no cake too now. I just start tomorrow. That wasn't a lack of willpower. That was just a choice. So I just want to talk to you, give you a couple of scriptures. There is this one of my favorite scriptures, and it is from, um, it is about understanding authority. Because the kingdom of God operates by authority. And I always say that I think one of the most challenging things for believers in America to understand is order and rank. Like, we live in a country where if you want to talk about your president, you can. But there are literally countries with kings, you don't talk about your king. At least not publicly, you don't tweet it. You don't Facebook it. And so what happens is, is that people take their democratic mindset and they bring it into the kingdom of God. And then they think that they can vote on what God says is right and what God says is wrong. Turn and tell your neighbor, say, you're a part of the kingdom, but you don't have a vote. You are a part of the kingdom by the extension of his divine grace. Anytime we ever give our kids a vote, it's because we choose to, not really because we need their permission or their democracy to do anything. And so anytime that God gives you a choice about anything, it's really of his grace and his mercy that he's doing it. He doesn't really need your permission to do anything that he's going to do. Now, the challenge for a lot of people is that if you grew up in certain types of churches, like the Baptist church, you may have grown up in churches where they were deacon run, where they were people run. So everything that was going to be done was decided by a committee. 
There is a committee in the kingdom of God. It's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are the committee. They are the veto power. They are the deciding vote. They make all the decisions. And the rest of us are just in the kingdom to say, yes, whatever, you, whatever it is you need me to do. Anybody remember coming to America? And what she said, she said, yes, whatever you like. I want y'all to all practice that. The Lord asked you for something. What you going to say? Yes, whatever you like. You see how sweet she said that too? She didn't go like, whatever you want. She said, no, yes, whatever you like. And if you really believe that you were bought with a price, your life would be like, yes, whatever you like. Because you're not your own. And so this, dem this democratic mindset makes you think that you are your own and that you have agency over yourself and you can come and go wherever it is you want to go and that you can live in any kind of way and dimension that you want to live and you're supposed to have an open heaven over your life. The reality of it is, is that you, have, you do have the right to do whatever it is you want to do. You don't have the right to do whatever it is you want to do and get what God said you should have doing whatever it is you want to do. You can do anything you big and bad enough to do. But heaven is only obligated to bless what heaven has decided should be done. You can marry anybody you want to marry, but God ain't honored to bless every marriage. You can work anywhere you want to work, but God ain't honored to bless you in every place of employment. You can live anywhere you want to live, but God ain't obligated to bless it just because they offered you a bonus. The only thing that God is obligated to bless and honor is his word. So when we become mature believers, our prayers begin to be intentional to tap into his word. We want to know what he's saying. We can look in the Bible and see some very clear things. We can hear him say some things about what salvation looks like. I was reading the other day and they were saying that 58% of people who call themselves Christians believe that there is another way to the Father except Jesus. What? That's because you think you live in a democracy. See, I, I, I know because I know that we now live in this dispensation, so we're supposed to be so politically correct to everybody. If you are a believer, you believe this Bible right here, this Bible right here says there is one way to the Father. His name is Jesus. You can say, well, I don't think it's right. I don't think that's the way it should be down. Well, as soon as you become a God and make your own kingdom, you can set up the order however it is that you want to set it up. In the meantime, in his kingdom, that's the way it goes. I was laughing at people because they were talking about how um, the queen, they were trying to suggest that the queen didn't like Meghan Markle. And I was like, you understand nothing about kingdom authority. Harry couldn't even get married unless she had approved. It couldn't have even been. The only way he could have married her is he would have had to give up his name in order to be with her. So it didn't matter that she didn't smile. Trust and believe. Megan only walked down that aisle with Harry because the queen said, it's good. She good. And so I challenge you to get to the point in your life where you're not trying to force things on God and tell God that he need to bless it because you want it. You're going to make the relationship work. It don't work. It ain't work. God ain't in it. God ain't on it. You ain't even your best self when you win them, but you're going to make this thing work. Amen. So let's look at the scripture, and then I'll be out of your way. Say, my life belongs to God. Say it again. Say, my life belongs to God. So I do what God tells me to do. 
I do what God tells me to do. I, that, that is the good life. We're talking about how to have great victory. I'm going to tell you something. If your obedience is sketchy, your victory is sketchy. He says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. And sometimes you're going through and you like the devil is on my back, but the devil only on your back because you're disobedient. If you, you're participating in disobedience. I know this isn't sexy Christian, but this is the stuff that lets you live free. My life is not my own. There are a million things I want to do and say, and the Holy Ghost be like, nope. That's not what we're doing. That's not where we're moving. That's not where we're going. That's not what we're about to do next. And I'm like, okay. Because I've lived long enough to understand that my life is just better if I'm willing and obedient. As a kid, is your life better when you're willing and obedient? Literally, it's kids who be like, I don't understand why I'm always in trouble. Because you're always breaking the rule. That's why you're always in trouble. You're always in trouble because you're breaking the rule. And you have to deal with the rebellion in your own soul that wants to fight against God. And so some of you, you've been at this place in the past where you felt like you got delivered from something. And now the thing that you got delivered from is on your back again. I guarantee if you look at your life, you can watch that your disobedience decreased. You begin to think that it didn't take all of that. And because you begin to think that it didn't take all of that, you stop doing all that. You're like, hey, I'm cool. It's, it don't take all of that. I ain't really got to go to church that much. I don't really have to pray my Bible, that, pray the word that much. I ain't really got to do all that. It's okay if I do whatever it is, this thing that God has told me not to do. And then you're like, oh, my God, I'm in bondage again. How did this happen? You stopped obeying God. And I was just talking to Mika the other day, and I was like, listen, I wish it was an easier way to say this, but I just owe you to tell you it really does take all that. Whatever God told you to do, it takes all of that until he tells you to do something else. It takes, say it takes all of that. It takes all of that. And because people have different struggles in their bloodline, it may take one thing for you that it doesn't take somebody else. I use this example all the time. If you have alcoholism in your bloodline, the Lord may say to you, don't ever take a drink. And then you over there and you like, they get to drink wine. What they got to do with you? God is trying to keep you free because he know that wine for you become a bottle. And then it's a bottle every night. And then you can't sleep without a bottle and a half. And then it's, now it's a little bit at lunch. You got to know that if God is telling, settle this for yourself. Say, anytime God tells me no, it's for my good. Anytime God tells, we try to teach our kids that we're not just in the business of just saying no for the sake of saying no. Like when a little kid wants to play in the street. Do you really not want them to have fun or do you understand something about the street that they don't understand? They think you mean until they see that cat get hit in the street and they're like, oh, oh, a bad idea. And some of you have ended up as roadkill because you're disobedient. You got smashed and hit and tagged, and you never should have been there. If you had just stayed on the sidewalk, if you had just stayed on the sidewalk, it just said, the Holy Ghost said, don't go out there in them streets. That's not for you. Spiritual roadkill, smashed all over the place, need a pure resurrection because you practice disobedience. 
You see, people won't remember any descriptions, but they'll remember spiritual roadkill. And the next time they're about to disobey, they go see themselves getting splat and they go jump back. They go be like, nope, nope, I'm not going out here. I'm not going out here. Say, I want God's best for my life. So let's just look at this scripture right here. It's in Luke 7, verse 8. Well, let's back up. Thank you so much. Let's just start at verse 1. It says, Now when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum, and a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent um, unto, him, unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his son, servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy that he should do this. For he loves our nation, and he built us a synagogue at his own expense, and Jesus went with them. But when he was not too far from the house, the centurion sent some friends to him, saying, Do not trouble yourself, and for I am not sufficiently worthy for you to come under my roof. Neither do I consider myself worthy to come to you, but just speak a word, and my servant will be, be healed. Verse 8. The crux of this. He says, for I am a man daily subject to authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my bondservant, do this, and he does this. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled at him and turned and said to the crowd that followed them, I tell you that not even in all of Israel have I found one with such great faith as this. And when the messengers who had been sent returned to the house, they found that the bondservant who had been ill was quite well again. So here's the scenario. There is a, a this soldier. This soldier has a servant that's sick, and he wants Jesus to heal the servant. So he sends some people to go on his behalf, and those people say, "Hey, you should really help him out because he's done all of these great things." But how do you know that? How many of you know that God doesn't help people out because they've done great things? God doesn't help us out because we do great things. He doesn't respond to great things. Jesus goes with them, and some of you, you think that by your good deeds that you can get God to move. Good deeds don't get God to move. God responds to one thing, faith. That is how he has set his kingdom up. You can go, I don't like it that God set his kingdom up to run by faith. I don't like that your couch is set where it is in your house, but I don't have the right to come there and move it. Right? I don't understand why your glasses aren't closer to the sink. But I don't have a right to come to your house and move your glasses to the place that's close to the sink. So again, as soon as you create your own kingdom where you're the God and you create some people, then you can set up whatever system that you want to. But in this system, God responds to faith. Tell your neighbor, say God responds to faith. And faith comes from the word. So this man sends a servant and he says, all you have to do is send a word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus marvels that he understands that this man, that, de that deliverance isn't even for yet, understands the power of the word to produce freedom. But he understands it because he is a man under authority. He says, I'm under authority and I have authority. Let me submit something to you in the kingdom. In the kingdom of God, the measure of the authority you walk in will be determined by the, auth the authority that you live under. The measure of the authority that you walk in will be determined by the authority that you live under. 
So if you are reckless and disobedient to the Holy Spirit, how do you expect something to obey you when you don't understand submission to the authority of God? One more scripture and then we're done. Second Corinthians 10. Because really this is about just making a decision to be obedient. Tell your neighbor, say, learning to be obedient to God is not the easiest thing. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to empower you to actually obey God. Let me help you. None of us who practice obeying God really want to do it all the time. We don't want to do it all the time. People go, I don't fast because I get hungry. You, you, do you think you're the only person who was hungry? I'm sorry. Did you, did, did you think you was the only person who wanted some chicken today too? I don't pray that long because it takes too much time. Did, did you think you was the only person who didn't want to watch? Like, there, it's other stuff. That, do you think that you are the only person who, like, somebody right now, they're like, oh, my God, I'm so hot. I'm ready for this to be done. Nobody's hotter than me. I'm standing up here talking. Nobody's hotter than me. I'm the hottest person, and I'm 46. I'm the hottest person in this room. So just because it's difficult doesn't mean God dismissed you from the responsibility of it. Just because it is difficult to be sexually pure doesn't mean God released you from the responsibility because everybody's doing it. Growing up, I used to say to my grandma, I'd say, hey, can I go to such, such party? My grandma would be like, nope. I'd be like, so-and-so will be there. She go be like, she, same thing every time. You think I'd have got smart enough to figure it out. Same thing every time. She said the same thing. And some of you know exactly what she said. She said, what they got to do with you? I'm not raising them. I'm raising you. I don't dictate where they go. I dictate where you go. As a believer, that should be the story of your life. I don't care what they said. What did God tell me to say? I don't care that they don't forgive. What did God tell me to do? I don't care that they don't want to go to church. What did God? I don't care if everybody leave the church because it's a hypocrite. I ain't going nowhere. If everybody leave because Jesus is a, because they think people is a hypocrite, it'd be me and Jesus meeting together because I'm not going to give up on a church because it don't matter what you think about the church because you ain't the person that called the church and made the church the medium. God is. Amen. One more scripture, then we done. 2 Corinthians 10. Shout out, be, I said only two scriptures. I only did one, Luke and this one. I'm counting. I got this. So I'm going to tell you a story about how important it is to obey God. Because you cannot, you cannot, you can't cast out a devil when you are one. You're trying to cast stubbornness out on your kids, but you're stubborn. Amen. I close. I'm okay. You want your kids to be more obedient to you than you are to God. Your kids don't serve at home because they don't see you serving. Everything that you do has centered them. So then they think they should be the center of everything. And you so tired that when you come to church, you think you should be the center of everything. 
but you cannot defeat in other people what you won't master in yourself. I guarantee, hear me, you can be mad at me if you want to. Whatever you see in your kids, it's in you. Whatever you see in your kids in abundance, check your life. It's some, your rule making, your rule breaking may be cleaner than theirs. It may be slicker than theirs. But it still exists because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, you can read when you get home, it says that you have a readiness to revenge obedience once you, disobedience once you have brought your own self into obedience. So I'm just going to tell you this story about how important it is to obey God. So Pastor Edwin taught this message. I think I told us last week, I'm going to tell it again because I think it's important because Pastor Edwin's teaching about not being offended. And whenever you start obeying God, the enemy's going to work to make you offended. How many of you have had opportunities to be offended since he made that teaching? Yes, Lord. If you listen to that teaching, you had an opportunity to be offended. Every day somebody can do something for you to be offended about because people are crazy, but so are you if you ain't under the power of the Holy Ghost. So you always say, oh, they so crazy. You too, if it's not for the power of the Holy Ghost. So anyway, Pastor Ellen had taught this message about how important it was to stay out of offense. And sometimes we feel justified in our offense. Tell your neighbor, say, I feel, we feel justified. Sometimes we feel justified in our offense. We think that we ought to have the right to feel the way that we feel. Some of you know this story. Last year, Caleb had this big incident in school where he got called the N-word, and we had to put on our full Malcolm X regalia in order to go up there and handle the situation. And it ended up being many, 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 many days. And then we had, then I had to go Black Panther, not the movie, but the other Black Panther, in order to let them know that that was not the kind of game that they wanted to play. So I had an issue with the assistant principal, and I had decided because I thought the assistant principal was a racist. I'm just telling on myself because if you can hear this for me, then you could be like, oh, if she can change, I can change too. So I had decided that since I felt like the um, assistant principal was a racist, that it just made sense that I didn't speak to him when I saw him anymore. Right? So we would go places, and we would see him, and he would speak to me, and I always wanted him to know that I saw him. So I didn't just act like, no, I didn't just act like, because I'm, I'm just telling on myself, I didn't act like I didn't hear him call my name. Just call my name. How many, he was, do it again. I would look him in his face because I wanted him to know. I know you are racist and I'm not speaking to you because you are racist. So... The Sunday we was at the Double Tree, I was standing outside telling the story to Graham, and just as sure as I'm standing there, the Holy Ghost said, you know that message Edwin preached? You are offended with that man, and the next time you see him, you need to speak to him. On the inside, I threw a three-year-old temper tantrum. I was laying down in the floor kicking on the inside. I just, I was so upset. And I was like, whatever you want. I didn't make it four days before I saw that man. I was so happy. I was in such a good mood because we was getting stuff for this building and we were at Lowe's over there. First of all, he lived in Springdale. I don't even understand why he would be at the Lowe's in Fayetteville. It doesn't even make sense that he would be in the Lowe's at Fayetteville. Where, well, our church is in Fayetteville, so that makes sense. And I am skipping in. I'm so happy. And he skips out and he says, hey, Miss Strickland. Hey. Hey. And then he had the nerve to say, how you doing? How you doing? <laughs> Look, it's taking all the Holy Ghost. I have to speak to you. And so I said, 
I'm doing fine. The Lord was like, ask him how he's doing. I'm like, I don't care. Um, and I said, how are you doing? He was like, I'm great. Glad the school's going to be out. God bless you. Have a great day. On the inside, when I was walking through Lowe's to get the stuff, I was on the, on the inside of me, I was throwing a temper tantrum. I was like, you shouldn't have spoke to him. You should have rolled your eyes to him because now he going to think that you forgot. And the Holy Spirit said, but I'm pleased. And then he said, and you're going to keep seeing him until you don't feel that way on the inside when you see him. Some of you don't understand that some of the struggles in your life is because you haven't passed the test. See, I didn't throw a three-year-old tantrum on the floor in Lowe's for people to see, but God could see what was in my heart. Even now when I tell the story, I cringe. I'd be like, one of us should move. One of us should not. I mean, we should just, it don't have to be this way. But how many things in your life has God told you to give up or God told you to modify or told you to treat somebody differently and you do what you feel like doing because that's what you think they deserve? And I'm telling you that when you live like that, you don't understand the royalty that Meghan Markle walked into. And you don't understand the kingdom of God. People are like, how could you give up your right for social media? Because they said if you want to be in a royal family, here's the responsibility. And one of the things I said to Pastor Ellen, because I was reading the 50 things that they don't know about, you don't know about royal families. And this was the thing that really blessed me. Stand to your feet so we can go. This was the thing that really blessed me. They said, even though Meghan Markle has been extremely outspoken about all of these issues, there are now issues that as a result of marrying into this family, she can only say what the queen has said. How much stuff come out, out your mouth that you ain't even ask the Holy Spirit if you should say it? They said now she must discipline herself. That she can only say what the queen has said. So if the queen say we don't have a political opinion about this, nothing. You see it as bondage. But it's really freedom. You see it as bondage, but it's really freedom. The truth of it is, is that if my kids say something to my other kids and they say exactly what I said, they can count on that I'm going to back them. The trouble getting in is when they start adding their other stuff. So I want to challenge you as we step into this season of signs and wonders and miracles and deliverance that you would bring some obedience and some discipline into your life. The Bible says if you can tame the tongue, you can master anything else in your life. I just challenge you to tame your mouth this week. <laughs> People say, can you pray for me? Yes, I, I pray. May the spirit of close your mouth come up on you. The spirit of close your mouth. I ain't going to even talk about some people's husbands is pointing at them. I ain't going to talk about them. <laughs> but can the spirit of close your mouth, can you learn how to sit quietly long enough to see how God would have you to respond? This is true. Pastor Edwin and I say a lot of stuff about things that happen politically. But a lot of times when an issue drops, people are like inboxing us. They're like, what do you have to say? 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 We haven't said anything because we haven't heard anything. 
So that's why sometimes the issue will come out and like immediately we, we respond. And then sometimes the issue will come out and it's two or three days or it's four or five days because we got to filter through what we feel and what it is that he said. When you get mad with your kids, do you have a guard on your mouth? Do you speak what heaven speaks or do you just open your mouth and say whatever it is that you want to say about them? Do you talk about how stubborn and trifling and how you don't understand how it's going to work in their life? Or do you say, I believe that the word of God has been sown in their life and it will produce exactly what God said it's going to produce. And even when I think nothing is happening, because I want to remind most of you, especially those of you I went to college with, it was a time it looked like it wasn't working for none of us. It was a time it looked like the word wasn't working for any of us. It looked like we had forgotten every single thing that had ever been said about us and everything that had ever been prayed over us. But somebody's grandmama somewhere was still in a little small town decreeing and declaring that what had been prayed over you since you was a little kid was going to be manifested. So I'm just asking you, when your kids get on your nerve, what comes out your mouth? When your company gets on your nerve, do you bless your company or do you curse it? Because everything that comes out of your mouth is either in alignment with heaven or alignment with hell. There is no middle ground when it comes to your words. Do you know why this is important? Because during this year, in the years to come, people are going to walk in this building with medical reports that say it's over. And if you haven't trained your mouth not to say what you think, you're going to come into agreement with death over their life. Thinking that you in faith. Faith is saying what he said. It's believing what he said. So what I want to do is I want to pray. And I just want to pray for obedience, clear hearing, and a crop failure over all the stuff we said that we shouldn't have been saying. Amen. I get it. I know it's hard to keep speaking life when it looked like death. But I actually was kind of glad the gas prices went up because it reminded me that I knew God as provider. It reminded me that I knew him as provider, which then allowed him to correct me about some other stuff that I was saying out of my mouth. But can, can the Holy Spirit correct you? Are you correctable? Are you teachable? If he tells you that you're out of bounds, do you stop or do you insist on going your own way? Because if you insist on going your own way, you a child, but you're not a son. Because sons are submitted to authority. A lot of people are children of God. Everybody's not a son. A son is some, because a son, gender neutral, a son carries the vision of the father. Even in this ministry, you can tell whether you're a son. Because if you're a son, you want to run with the vision. If you're a child, you just want the church to be what you need it to be. When you need it to be. But when you're a son, you want to see the vision come to pass. So let's just pray over those things right quick. Lay hands on somebody beside you. Just grab their hand or something. We're going to get used to touching and praying with people. Pray for the person next to you. Say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I repent for practicing disobedience. I repent for not allowing Holy Spirit to lead and guide me into truth. I repent for the times I heard and still did my own thing.
I'm asking you to help me to practice obedience in the way that Jesus did. Holy Spirit, fill me with your power. Empower me to make the right choices. Help me to say no to what I need to say no to. And yes to what honors you. I call for a crop failure over every word I said that did not align with heaven. Give me the discipline that when I cannot agree with you, I will at least be quiet. I believe that this is my year of great victory. And you have great plans for my life. And it is my season and my time to rise into the sonship of Jesus Christ. I choose to grow up. Say that again. Say, I choose to grow up. I can be corrected. I can be disciplined. I choose to grow up. And because I am under the authority of God, I am able to administer the authority of God and call my life to line up with the word. It is so. Amen.